Biden's effort to establish a Palestinian state unilaterally has been firmly rejected by the state of Israel. Biden has just declared that all settlements in Israel are illegal, and Israel has retaliated by deciding to build 3,000 more settlement homes. Israel is preparing to hit Rafah unless the hostages are released. Biden is, of course, arguing that there has to be an evacuation plan before he's going to permit them to do it. Netanyahu says victory is within weeks after Rafah is taken. The war with Hezbollah is definitely heating up now, and the U.S. is continuing to hit the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Russia's new space weapon, it turns out, is a nuclear device. Those stories and more on Messianic World Update, which begins now. Shalom, everyone. I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries. Welcome to another edition of Messianic World Update. Today's date is Monday, February 26th of the year 2024. Occasionally, I'm not able to come on a Friday or do the broadcast on Fridays. We generally do on Fridays, so hang in there with us, but we also want to come each week and give you the latest news from the Middle East. Turning to the news, Netanyahu, the War Cabinet, the Knesset, and the public all have been polled and have soundly rejected President Biden's plan to unilaterally declare a Palestinian state prior to the month of Ramadan, which would be March the 2nd. Quite honestly, there is no leader for the Palestinian state. There is no defined borders for it. And the terrorists are throughout all of the Palestinian areas, and they have to be gone before you can have a true Palestinian state. It's just a terrorist operating base at this particular time. The reason why Israel is rejecting the president's plan is because any efforts to be nice to the Palestinians by declaring a Palestinian state and the Arab friends is seen as rewarding terrorism. And that's the last thing that Israel wants to see happen. We don't reward terrorism. We punish terrorism. We only reward those who are seeking peace. Now, Israel and Netanyahu have submitted a plan to the U.S. for consideration that is what is called the After Gaza Plan. In other words, once the war is over with in Gaza, what happens to Gaza? Israel is now saying that they want to demilitarize that area. They want to rebuild it. They want to bring aid in for the citizens, and they want to build civil leadership, not leadership that comes from terrorist organizations or other outside let it be organic Palestinians that want to live in peace there in Gaza, and Israel will be happy to help them to establish that. And of course, Israel wants to call on the international community to help them as well. Now, the U.S. supposedly is studying that right now. That's the only viable plan that I've heard about what to do about Gaza. The Biden administration just recently, in part of their anger against Netanyahu, reverse the Pompeo Doctrine, which was the Secretary of State under President Trump, and they've now declared all settlements in Judea and Samaria as illegal, all of them. And that means that all the Arabs and Palestinians can live where the Jews live, but the Jews cannot live in Arab lands and Palestinian lands. The bigotry here is palpable. To go further, 
it is now very clear, and this is kind of a public relations campaign now going on. We've been using the term West Bank as referring to those areas west of the Jordan River. That was a term started by Jordan. And it's used by the international press to describe the Palestinian areas, the West Bank. <clears throat> According to the Bible, they're all called Judea and Samaria. And in Israel, they're called Judea and Samaria. They're part of the definition of Israel. And so from this point on, we're going to attempt to try to call it Judea and Samaria. Anytime you hear somebody talking about the West Bank, correct them and refer to, oh, you mean Judea and Samaria. And that would be part of the public relations things to get this thing turned around, this idea that the Jews are always put down and Israel is always put down, and somehow or another the Palestinians are the victims. I can assure you the Jews are the victims and the Palestinians are the tyrants. And that's the way it has been in the entire life of Israel from the very beginning still to this day. As I said to you, Israel has announced the construction of 3,000 new homes in the settlements. They're desperately needed. The population growth in Israel is such that they need more homes built. And so that has been announced by the Netanyahu government. In recent reports, you have heard about Joe Biden putting sanctions on certain settlers that are living over there in Judea and Samaria. And you've also heard him complaining about settler violence. So let's clarify what's really going on. Let's talk about the backstory of what's really happening. You do realize that when the Palestinians go over and attack settlers, murdered them and so forth, that's kind of the backstory that goes with, well, you know, the Palestinians have been victimized by Israel, so that's kind of the natural thing for them to do. Instead of calling it for what it is, murdering Jews. In the case of settler activities, there is a handful of incidents in which that certain Palestinians that happen to be walking through certain settlement areas have been harassed. Putting it plainly, they took a shortcut, went through, and settlers have been running them out and telling them to go back to their areas and stay away from their areas. And there is a situation in which there was a Palestinian that was beat up pretty good by a couple of settlers. We don't know the details of that, but it did happen. And every time those kinds of harassment actions take, the Israeli government arrests them, they prosecute them, and they pay for those crimes if they do them. And the jurisprudence in comparison between those that are in conflict, the settlers and the Palestinians, is completely unfair. It's not right. The United States government, because of the Palestinian influence on them, continues to hammer against the settlers and to say they're the perpetrators. They're the ones that are in the wrong. I can assure you that if you put it on balance between the two, that the settlers don't go into Palestinian areas and kill people. The Palestinians do that kind of thing. The retaliations, that, and they've been rare that we have seen, is because Jews were killed. They were shot at. People were driving their car down in area, and then they got killed by the Palestinians. Now, those kinds of actions have been flashpoints in all of this, but for some reason, it's like the famous NFL rule. You know, one opponent goes up and hits, hits the other opponent, and the other guy retaliates and hits him back, but the referee only sees the second action. 
And so the referees of the world see Israel retaliating, but they don't see the original act that was taking place. It's completely out of balance. It's inappropriate. And quite honestly, I reject the idea that the United States gets to hold Israel accountable for that. Israel's already taking care of that problem and correcting their own citizens accordingly. The IDF is preparing a plan to hit Rafah. In fact, the IDF has already put the plan forward to the war cabinet. The plan includes the evacuation of 1.5 Palestinians out of the area to attack the last Hamas strongholds. There's four Hamas battalions still in there. Destroy their final headquarters, destroy their final tunnels. According to the plan, Netanyahu has said that victory in Gaza is within weeks which everybody would like to see the hostilities come to a close. But Hamas needs to be destroyed. Now, Gantz, Benny Gantz, who's on the war cabinet, has come out and flat told Hamas, you either release the hostages before we attack Rafah, or we're going to attack Rafah and you're going to die. He didn't use the word die. I, I put that word in there. But that's essentially what it means. The hostage negotiations are still going on again. Israel is trying to force Hamas to release them and basically give up. That's how close we are to the conclusion of this whole matter. Israel, of course, is refusing Hamas's demands of freedom. They want to all go free, and they want prisoners that are in prisons for the rest of their life for murdering Jews. They want them freed as well. And Netanyahu has said their demands are delusional. Protests are still taking place in Israel, in Tel Aviv, for example. The families of the hostages, they simply want their family members released. And you can understand and have empathy for them. If I was in their situation, I'd be focused on getting my family members home as well. But Netanyahu has clearly stated it again and again. They've got to keep pressure on Hamas. That's the only way to get the hostages free. It's clear now that some of the people that were taken hostage actually were killed on October 7th and their bodies were taken back to Gaza for trading purposes. That's how bizarre these people are. The northern border is still heating up with Hezbollah. Hezbollah continues to shoot anti-take rockets and missiles toward the northern border of Israel striking homes and vehicles and injuring people along the way. Israel has retaliated with airstrikes and artillery, trying to take out those positions, take out their commanders, take out their strongholds. And Israel made a big announcement about their Navy is preparing for the war in the north and because the Israeli Navy will be able to be off the coast shooting rockets and missiles into those locations as well. There are now clearly more IDF units in, in the northern border than in Gaza. Israel is preparing to have the war with Hezbollah. Now, Hezbollah is saying the reason why they're engaged and they're doing what they're, they're, they're trying to show their support of Gaza and Hamas. Well, if Hamas is destroyed, the question is, will Hezbollah continue to do it? That's the same excuse that the Houthi rebels are now attacking U.S. in the Red Sea, Gulf of Aden. They're claiming they're in support of Hamas that's up in Gaza as well. The question is, if Gaza victory is secured, will the Houthi rebels continue to do that? 
At the moment, the Houthi rebels have turned all their attention toward attacking U.S. and allied shipping. Multiple drones, missiles, and even ballistic missiles have been shot down. And by the way, in the battle in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden, it's the first time that ballistic missiles have been fired by an enemy to attack ships, and yet they were shot down. Some commercial ships have been hit. One had to be evacuated and brought in. The latest word is it hasn't sunk yet. They're trying to recover it. But there is definite danger for all allied warships in the Red Sea. They are in harm's way being shot at on a regular basis. And I am fearful that one of those rockets or missiles will make its way through and strike a U.S. warship. Given the class of ships that are in there, if one is hit, it most likely will kill hundreds of sailors and sink a ship. That will definitely escalate the war that's over there with the Houthi rebels. Specifically, it should escalate to striking Iran. There's no question that Hezbollah and the Houthi rebels are doing what Iran wants them to do. Just as the proxies that are in Iraq and Syria are doing what Iran wants it to do. How do you end the conflict in the Middle East that is erupting outside of Israel? Stop Iran. But the U.S. government cannot figure this out yet, and they are resisting any effort to really end the conflict. Last week, I shared with you about Russia's new anti-satellite weapon. There was hints of it being having a nuclear component. When we got the first reports and the first information, it didn't make a lot of sense about nuclear. Maybe it was a power. Maybe it was a multi-fire device that could shoot selectively certain satellites. But no, the latest information indicates that it is a nuclear weapon. Now, let me take you back to the understanding of the treaties that have been signed by Russia, the Soviet Union back in those days, that exists in the world today. In 1967, they signed a treaty that said no more nuclear weapons up in space. It's too dangerous for the whole world. It's based on something that they learned in 1962. The U.S. actually launched a nuclear missile off of Johnson Island out in the Pacific. It went up about 250 nautical miles, and they set it off in the low orbit of the Earth. That's when we learned how explosive an EMP burst from a nuclear detonation coming through the atmosphere, what it does. It basically, it fried all electronics for hundreds of miles underneath its footprint. It killed satellites. And by the way, there weren't that many satellites up in space at the time killed a whole bunch of satellites that were within a line of sight, and it destroyed the other remaining satellites within three years because the radiation at that point, it gets collected by the satellite and destroys it. Only hardened satellites, uh, hardened against the EMP and against those kinds of energy weapons can survive. A single nuclear device in space an anti-satellite nuclear weapon goes off, it takes out the world's satellites. And by the way, the vast majority of satellites up there are not military satellites, they're commercial. It's how that you make your phone calls, it's how you get your TV stations, it's all of the communications that the world uses for business all over. 
we're talking about if that thing were set off, it would take the entire world back to the 1950s. And we'd be making phone calls from wired phones and landline phones again. The U.S. does have some hardened satellites for the military, but clearly the Russians putting a anti-satellite weapon with a nuclear device in space is a threat to the entire world, not just the United States. It's like a suicide doomsday weapon is really what it is. Now the good news is the Russians have not deployed it yet. They have not launched it and put it in orbit. And the hope is that they will not put it in orbit ever. That's the effort on the part of the U.S. government at the moment. We're just now learning of what the real threat is. It's a very serious end-time threat. And by the way, as we're looking at the prophecies of the end of the ages, it might be one of the scenarios that the world will have to face when we come to the Great Tribulation. I'd like to read just a couple of verses to you where the prophet Joel talks about the end of days. He talks about the day of the Lord coming. And from Joel chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 and 2, let me read these verses to you. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment then there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and they have divided my land. God's stated reason for why there's going to be a day of the Lord and the valley of Jehoshaphat is more commonly referred to as Armageddon. It says because of the way the nations have treated Israel when they were scattered around the world and because they divide his land. The Biden administration is proposing a two-state solution, a Palestinian state that divides the land of Israel and the land they want to give to the Palestinians in the Bible is called Judea and Samaria. That's dividing the land. That's the stated reason Joel gives for the day of the Lord. At the conclusion of that chapter, let me read a few more verses for you what Joel also has to say. Beginning at verse 17, Joel 3:17, it says, Then you will know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. And in that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. Egypt will become a waste, and Edom will become a desolate wilderness, because of the violence done to the sons of Judah, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem for all generations. And I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. Now that's a description after all this is over and done with, after all the battles, after the great tribulation. That's what God says is going to be in the end. It seems to me that any nation in dealing with Israel who has any sense of that there is a creator God and there is a God of Israel, would be cautious about how they treat Israel, the sons of Judah, the Jews, and how they would behave 
toward God's people and His land. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment on our broadcasts. It, it helps us here at the ministry. And as always, please pray for Israel, the hostages, and for us in the days that we live. Shalom to all of you. Have a great week. Thank you.